you know what? I'm going to buy myself an external camera because the quality of my image is just not as good as yours. Even close. Would, would you like me to downgrade my image? Would that help you? No. I wonder, can I upgrade my image? <laughs> Don't answer that too quickly. This is Sheer Isolation. It's presented by Kieran Moore in Trowbridge and John Ponting in Cricklade. Hello, everybody. Thank you for joining us. This is Sheer Isolation. I am John. I am in Cricklade, and my friend Kieran over there is in Trowbridge. Hi, John. Waving a little lollipop. It's actually a um, uh, a cocktail stick and a rubber. I was never going to guess that. <laughs> but it does look like those little lollipops you used to have when you were a kid. Yeah, I may have had a couple of those yesterday, but never mind. <laughs> That's why they were on your mind. <laughs> Hello, John. Hello. How are you? I'm, I'm okay, but uh, it's, it's noticeably getting darker now, week on week. Well, uh, it's only a few more days and the clocks will all go forwards. So, And then it'll all be light again. Woo-hoo. No, it'll be darker again in the evenings. It'll be dark in the evenings, lighter in the mornings. Oh, I, I don't care about that. <laughs> no, no, why? I'm not a farmer. Stop playing around with it. Just leave it stationary. <laughs> That's your second old man rant of, of the last five minutes. So well done. I am uh, getting on my old man rants now, aren't I? You really are. I'm obviously, uh, feeling my age. <laughs> Purpose of our show, if you're new to us, is to promote the local music and art scene across the west of England, and we'll do that by playing a couple of tunes and by having a guest on. Um, our guest this week is Samita Majumda, who is uh, Swindon, I think she's London based at the moment, but she is from Swindon, musician, artist, and really, really interesting. Some of the projects she's worked on um, through her art and through her little quirky inventiveness, um, it, it's really impressive to listen to her. So we've got that coming up. Um, and a couple of tunes, I think we're going to start off with a, a musician called Chloe Foy, who I am not familiar with, Kieran, so do tell. So Chloe Foy is a singer-songwriter. Um, so the last few weeks we've picked tracks of artists that are performing at the Town Hall in Trowbridge, uh, mainly to highlight the quality that's going through that venue at the moment, um, but also to highlight the musicians themselves. And last week we had Sound of the Sirens, who were absolutely exceptional. They were just fantastic. We'll tell you about that in a second. Uh, but this week our guest is Chloe Foy. So Chloe is a um, soloist, singer-songwriter, um, she plays electric guitar, but she does it in a very sort of, um, I don't know, Casey Malco kind of way. There's um, definitely roots of that kind of tradi- uh, singer-songwritery type vibe, but a bit more electric and full. I just find it really inter- interesting, the, the diversity of the acts that you've been getting in Trowbridge lately. It, given that you're, you're talking about a single venue and you've got all these incredible different styles of music happening there. Yeah, credit to Gavin Osborne, who has been booking them. Um, yeah, we have got a great, great um, sort of uh, spectrum of, of people, music, um, genres, age groups, genders. It really has been really, really, really good to have that diversity. And it's been really well received. In fact, the one thing we've really lacked, actually, John, is uh, guys with guitars. We've really lacked that. So <laughs> I don't know when the next guy with a guitar is due to play either. So it's a while yet. <laughs> There's enough of them in the world. That's fine. Let's uh, let's play Chloe. <laughs> this is more than you deserve. So throw your caution out. Take. Me. 
was a track called Deserve by Chloe Foy. I did say to you, I was going to tell you a very brief story about last week's artist, Sound of the Sirens. So you, you probably know, John, these modern digital desks we've got. You can just literally chuck a USB into the desk and hit a, re- a record button. You can literally just do that. Boom, in it goes. And you get a copy of whatever's going out on the mix. So effectively, the bit that the audience are hearing. Um, I did this for Sound of the Sirens last week. I sent it over to them as, some, as a WAV file, a high resolution file. And they've said um, it's good enough. That they're going to share it on their Patreon. So if you are signed up to their Patreon, you're now going to get yourself a live bootleg of Sound of the Sirens at the Town Hall, uh, Trovebridge Town Hall. And I think that's wonderful that we're able, in this day and age, things like that are so simple to do. And you do get really good results off the bat. I still haven't you properly used a digital mixing desk. I'm going to be very lost when I'm presented with one, but then I rarely do it these days. I'm just going to be thrown in at the deep end and have to make it work. Well, you seem interesting, right? So obviously the evolution of the digital desk took a while to, to come on and be created. But as soon as they were created, we've moved on to Apple and iPad mixing and tablet mixing. So as soon as their desks are created, they, they've now already obsolete. Everybody's using tablets now. So when I go, you know, I use tablets occasionally. I much prefer the physical desk. But yeah, you're absolutely right. For people who've never used one before, it will be quite daunting. <laughs> I can't believe I'm going to say that's because you're old fashioned because you want to use a digital desk and not use a tablet anyway. <laughs> yeah, well, yes, I probably am, John. I'm already old fashioned because I want to use a digital desk. You know, what? that's a tweet right there. I'm going, to, I'm going to tweet that, John. I'm going to do that whilst we're talking. You right, have you fun. Take over. You have fun. And don't you dare try and teach me what Twitter is or how to use it. Time for a guest then. And as as I said in the uh, opening link, this week's guest is a friend of mine, Samita Majumda, who um, I've known for years and years and years, kind of met her on the Swinder music scene. She's, um, well, I'll, t- I'll tell you a little story just so you can understand just the, the level of quirkiness. Samita played for me at Treefest, and uh, we for some reason we ended up going out at, at dawn to watch the sunrise, and uh, we went into the Arboretum, and we were just sat there just watching the sunrise, and she had like a bubble gun, and she was just blowing bubbles at the incoming staff who are arriving for the morning shift that was kind of the, le- the level that Samita works at. and last time I met her which was uh, about a month ago she gave me a little pack of blueberries and while she was at Treefest she bought a little stick which was a blueberry bush and since then it's now flowered and generated fruit and she remembered and gave gave me some fruit from what she had bought at the festival that is really lovely I invited her on I mean I should have invited her on this podcast a long time ago she's so interesting to talk to one of the main things I wanted to talk to her about, though, with music and art work aside, is just about her work in autism and, and researching and looking to raise a bit more awareness about what it is and, and how to, like, coping mechanisms and that kind of thing. So we'll start the interview by chatting to Samita about that. Let's think about Pablo, because this is a, a programme that's on CBeebies, and Pablo is an animation which the, the main character is uh, an autistic boy called Pablo, and he's got his friends his characters around him you, you were quite pivotal in in kind of it, its birth its creation weren't you so do you want to tell us uh, that do you, want, do you want to start the story there and tell us how how, it, how, did, that come, how did that come um, about how did you find yourself in the position to be offered that so Pablo's a five-year-old autistic child who has a inner art imagination world which consists of these book animal characters which are sort of like inner imagination so he goes into an art world um which he uses to sort of process what's been happening in his day and like how he feels and thinks. Um, so for Pablo, he might not be able to say or know how he feels or thinks, but when he goes into this art world, 
these characters, these different animals who represent different traits of him, um, will interact. And um, so through engaging with that art world, he's able to, in his inner world, interact with himself about and figure out how he feels and how he thinks. And so therefore he can sort of find solutions for things that he might find difficult or he could just enjoy interacting through those animals. So they're all very different. So for example, there's an orangutan called Tang, who's very impulsive and loves sort of like spontaneous play um, and interaction. But then there's Giraffe, who is a giraffe who always wants to follow the rules. And so you can tell how those two, having those two characters, for example, within you could be like kind of cause contradictions within yourself. Yeah, exactly. For example, if you put that into a scenario of being in a supermarket, you might be, you know, there might be Tang, who is very excited by all of the the things on on the shelves and all of the different new products and like all of the sounds and the colourful things um, and just all of the exciting things in the shop. But then there might be draft who knows that, you know, you're not meant to take everything off the shelf and you're not meant to kick everything over. And um, there might be Mouse who is very sound sensitive, who knows she's getting overwhelmed. But then there's Tang who wants to stay in the shop. And um, so when you've got lots of these characters within you, I think that's just a way it's, I feel like the, the cartoon is a good way of representing, of like showing that, you know, it's not just one thing, what it looks like on the outside. There's a lot, lots of things going on. How you've described it already has educated me and help, helped me understand autism. And I haven't even watched the programme yet. <laughs> How did the, these characters turn into a TV show? It's produced by Paper Owl Films in Belfast. And Grania McGuinness, she created the idea for the show and um, she had this set of characters um, and then she started consulting autistic people. So she first consulted with Polly Samuel, who's also known as uh, Donna Williams, who is an autistic, she was an autistic artist, musician, writer, many things. And um, she started talking about um, her own experiences. And then there was various other people got involved. Rosie King was another person. Yeah, like I was one of those people that got involved in it to sort of just share my own experiences and how I related with the early versions of the scripts that they had. And, and you even ended up being one of the voices for one of the characters. Yeah, so I voice Wren, who is the yellow bird. She flaps her wings, which um, symbolises stimming, which is like self-stimulatory behaviours like like flapping or spinning or tapping. And, and, and so for, from this TV show, uh, did that kind of, um, kind of pique your interest in, into looking at more of the psychology behind autism? Is that how you moved on to, to doing a bit more study and research into it? So when I first got involved in the show, when I first looked at these story ideas I was in a similar place of wanting to express things about multiplicity and I was wanting to share about my own inner worlds and my own inner world characters so I was very excited to see that there was going to be a show about a character with his inner world I know that there's other shows that do that with um, imagination characters but I think what's important is showing this how it's his inner mind processing and how Pablo is all of these characters as well as his own and he's using these as a tool to communicate and that's what really helped me was like through music or artwork or just the way that I think I could only think or like know what I was thinking by thinking through characters Um, and that was all very like very much like in my own mind it wasn't something that I shared for most of my life and like a lot of it is very non-verbal but through songwriting I guess was the first sort of parts where I was sort of translating those things and talking through stories and characters and so with the show uh, with Pablo I was very excited to know that there were lots of other people that were writing through this format of the show so I became interested in whether other people writing for the show went through similar or different processes that 
I did because we're all very different all of the people that have written for the show everyone's autistic that's written stories for the show and I was just intrigued by the facts that we're all so different have different experiences of being autistic have different lives yet when we all met and read each other's stories we could all relate and I feel like a big part of that is the fact that there were these inner world these different inner world characters and so I began to research about autistic imagination so that was what my my study was about I um, interviewed some of the people that were involved in the show about their imagination worlds as a child and as an adult and about their their process writing for a show like this um, and how that related to their mental wellness and mental illness. Pablo the, the show is also really beneficial for parents who may not um, fully understand autism if they've got it in their children and don't uh, not hadn't previously quite known how to deal with or what was going on in their in their kids minds so I can imagine it's helped quite a lot of parents out in that in that regard. It's a preschool show but I think one of the main aims um, of the show was to help to show what autistic experiencing from an inside point of view like the inner world um, point of view was like so that um, non-autistic um, children could like better empathize with autistic children and so that autistic children could have a better experience through the shared empathy but actually the show has helped a lot of autistic children to be able to like feel represented and um to be able to to have something to show their parents like look this is what it's like yeah definitely i think you should be really proud of all the work you've been doing on it um i think we probably covered pablo and, and that the autistic side of things that unless you had anything else to ask Karen. no thank you that's been brilliant i want to hear about the music that you make I'd always described it as playing um, quirky, twinkly, sparkly songs. There's no other better way to describe my guess, but, but you, that, that's kind of your, your style. You've been doing it for years. Have you, are you still writing? Are you still recording? Are you still gigging? That's the meat music stuff was this sugary, sparkly, sugary, overly positive, you know, like um, happy songs. And I think that sense of it, that sort of optimistic side is like the kind of, like I had this character called the Umbrella Bird, which was one of my songs from that sort of phase and that's the character that most links to Ren from Pablo I think the album that I did after that was very different from the sugary stuff not saying that it wasn't positive and optimistic because it wasn't its own way but it was um sort of a different sort of (laughs) worldscape to that and after that that's when the indoor goblin stuff started happening I've sort of become more um more into sort of just seeing seeing it more as a live art process of just like see what happens and put that online and before I really know what it is um in these little like Instagram video I've been putting some videos up on Instagram just these little song things that I don't really know what they are and that act of doing that helps to translate something that I probably wouldn't have well that I wouldn't have translated or understood um if it wasn't for the purpose of performance it's probably worth um describing or just talking about who the indoor goblin is because it's kind of a, it's a second character within yourself with, with a different music style I mean I don't know what it started as I think it was well in the indoor goblin stuff was it began before it was really music in fact that kind of emerged when I stopped doing music or well, stopped I think um like stopped for about seven months and then started again <laughs> um but um that kind of I think I got to the point where I was singing these songs um in these pubs and I just kind of like because I can hear so much other stuff in my head and I can see all of this stuff or I could when I was playing and then suddenly when I got quite um mentally unwell I just it was sort of the opposite of that it kind of everything stopped and so I was in the middle of a gig and um 
I just stopped being able to see that stuff. And I just, I could just hear sonically, I could just hear these piano chords and my voice as it was like, which is, it's fine. That's what I do now. So I don't, there's nothing wrong with that. But like at the time it was so different to what I was hearing before. And I realized that everyone else could only hear that and they weren't seeing or hearing what I thought they could hear. And then it just, to me, that just sounded awful. And it was just this big block and I just hated it. (laughs) And I just kind of, um, yeah, I just stopped for, I just thought, no, I'm not doing this anymore. So Indoor Goblin started when I just wanted to visually express um, through like visual arts. um, And I started doing these scribble pictures and putting them online, similar to what I said with the song thing, but it was a visual version of that basically. So what, what's next? What what projects are you working on? Is, is there anything more in terms of music, anything more in terms of Pablo? I'd like, I, I would like to do a lot of, lot of things, <laughs> but um, I would like, I'd like to record some more Samita stuff. I'd like to sort of document um, the Samita and Jumble, like the songwriting therapy song things that I've been doing and put them somewhere and um, create more stuff for that. Um, I'd like to um, do more stuff with the in, indoor goblin stuff, which turned into a sort of um, performance art music um, thing. I have lots of shows that I want to sort out for that, but it's very much giant worlds in my head at the same time that I want to do things with, and um, just need to find the time and space to be able to immerse myself in that. Really, um, I think that brings us nicely onto the track you've chosen. Would you like to tell us what song you've chosen and why? Uh, so I chose. Um, this song called Beyond the When um, by Polly Samuel, who was known as Donna Williams, um, who I spoke about earlier. Uh, The video um, has lots of her paintings, which I find really relatable because um, she's someone that has an inner world that um, had multiple characters in, and I just relate to her paintings a lot. Um, And she's written in the the video description a bit about... um, about the song and there's something that she wrote there about um about exposure anxiety in particular and um about this fight between um wanting to like let yourself out into the world but wanting to like keep yourself in and safe from all of the outside world stuff she calls exposure anxiety the invisible cage um and that's something that I sort of relate relate to a lot with kind of like when you're sort of this sort of introverted person that also I like that, that wonderful phrase that is, that really evocative, brilliant. You can feel a shadow brushing past 
Look around, there's no one there you stumbled on That special place, the place beyond the wind very good worthwhile interview John um yeah that's really important to have people like that with their experiences on the session talking about things like that and it links very nicely into what we do in especially in the venues and the art centers that I work in Wiltshire Music Centre etc who do the projects around people like that and with those sort of um stories and voices really cool thank you ever so much I, I, I didn't do the uh, talking. It was also me. I'm glad I could introduce you, though. Yeah, I think it might be time for some news. Um, really rushed the news last week because we just ran out of time completely. <laughs> my my bad. Bad on timing. Um, but one thing I did want to cover was the news from from Cardiff about how the Welsh government has definitely decided that surf, that nightclubs and some venues and but not necessarily all sporting arenas but only some of the sporting arenas must, you, you must show COVID passports. I think actually some of the rugby games, they were going to pick a proportion of the crowd to show COVID passports oh, because the crowd was so random, big, they, like couldn't check. Check. they couldn't check everybody. From what I understand, the theory was that they, they didn't want all those people waiting in a line outside, but nightclubs are used to having queues outside. So that's why they have to check everybody. <laughs> what a load of arbitrary... <laughs> Oh, I mean, nightclubs, that's fine. They queue anyway, so they can just do that. Yeah, and, but stadiums are too many people. We can't possibly do it. Let them all in. Just pick them at random. <laughs> that, I'm sorry, Wales, but that, I mean, it's great that you want to do that. But my God, that's not the way to go about it. What I was going to say is that next month I'm going to see Tim Minchin, comedian. He's playing in Cardiff. And I think it's um, it's around about 5,000 capacity in completely covered indoor. So I'll, I'll have yeah. to report back on what the queues are like and if I was checked. Any news from yourself then, Kira? Uh, other than all the tickets are selling, flying out, and the gigs are doing really well. Uh, the Village Pump, John, now now that we kind of reopened and announced that we reopened, we've had people coming to us left, right and centre wanting to hire the venue to put on their own events. And we've got Luke DeSisio. He's absolutely selling stacks of tickets. 
We've just announced Fly Yeti Fly, who are a folk band who live on a barge on the canal. They on the literally the moment it went live, they sold eight tickets. I'm oh, sorry, seven tickets. Like literally the minute it went live, it's crazy. But um, yeah, it, people are coming back, and it's coming back with a bang. What we love to hear: uh, support your venue, support your musicians. That is why we've been doing this. Uh, sheerisolation.co.uk or sheerisolation at gmail.com is the email address. We've got a website and Gmail website. You can go back and listen to previous shows or just email us uh, any links to any music or any news that you want to share with us. Uh, we will be back next week with, with next more week, guests. John. We've got loads of guests lined up. We've got the Bath landlady coming. We have um, Rosie from the Village Pump. We've got a, good, a whole bunch of, uh, and funny enough, it's all women, which is wonderful. We've got some wonderful people coming up. I'm really excited about that. Cool. So, yeah, so we'll be back uh, next week with, with more guests, more music. So thank you for listening to us. And uh, bye-bye, then. Goodbye. <laughs> I never quite Ciao. know how to finish things off. I'll just say goodbye. That's enough, John. Bye. It's enough. We've spoken enough.